always think about God's sovereignty and that it is in our best interest to look for Him, to submit to Him, to obey what He tells you to do for your own good. There is only one way to eternal life and to passing victoriously through God's judgment, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Treat the Lord as the Lord in your life, and you will have absolutely nothing to worry about now, and least of all, later. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today we'll be talking about the sovereignty of the Lord. The Lord is God, and within that reality and all that it means and is, the Lord is sovereign. He rules and is over all things. There is no one that can challenge Him. There is no one that can command Him. He is the Almighty God of the universe, the one that was and is and is to come. He does not need anyone's approval or authorization for anything. And if we want to reap all the things available to us through Him, then we need to acknowledge His sovereignty and submit to Him as the Lord of our lives. This is what is best for us. Today's message is inspired on Deuteronomy chapter 2, verses 26 to 37. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Holy God, hallowed and glorified be your name. I praise you, I worship you, I exalt you, O Lord. For you are the King of the universe. You are the one that is worthy above all things. You and you alone, O Lord, are sovereign. Heavenly Father, Holy God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you please forgive my sins and my wrongs. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you help us to have the right heart and mindset before you, Lord God, that we need to come humbly before you with repentant hearts and, Lord, to come to you so we can learn from you. Heavenly Father, help us to understand that your will for us is life, is eternal life, Heavenly Father, help us, O Lord, to understand the reality that you are, to accept you as who you are, and to treat you as who you are. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Today's key passage can be found in Deuteronomy chapter 2, verses 26 to 37. This is the word of the Lord. And I sent messengers from the wilderness of Kedemoth to Sion, king of Heshbon, with the words of peace, saying, Let me pass through your land. I will keep strictly to the road, and I will turn neither to the right nor to the left. You shall sell me food for money, that I may eat, and give me water for money, that I may drink. Only let me pass through on foot, just as the descendants of Esau, who dwell in Seir, and the Moabites, who dwell in Ar, did for me until I cross the Jordan to the land which the Lord our God is giving us. But Sihon, king of Heshbon, would not let us pass through. For the Lord your God hardened his spirit and made his heart obstinate, that he might deliver him into your hand as it is this day. And the Lord said to me, See, I have begun to give Sihon and his land over to you. Begin to possess it, that you may inherit this land. Then Sion and all his people came out against us to fight at Jahaz, and the Lord our God delivered him over to us. So we defeated him, his sons, and all his people. We took all his cities at that time, and we utterly destroyed the men, women, and little ones of every city. We left none remaining. We took only the livestock as plunder for ourselves with the spoils of the cities which we took, from Aurora, which is in the bank of the river Arnon, 
and from the city that is in the ravine as far as Gilead. There was not one city too strong for us. The Lord our God delivered all to us. Only you did not go near the land of the people of Ammon, anywhere along the river Jabbok, or to the cities of the mountains, or wherever the Lord our God had forbidden us. God can do whatever he wants. This is something we must understand clearly. God is sovereign. No one can tell the Lord what to do. And quite frankly, no one can tell him what to do because he is who he is. He is the I am. The Lord is the almighty God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who was and is and is to come. And no one can challenge him. No one can even come close to matching his power. Even Satan, with all of his legions, cannot even reach a fraction of his power. The Lord is omnipotent. So, if the devil cannot even come close, then what about us that are far less significant in every aspect? We cannot command God to do anything. We have no hold on him. There is nothing we can offer to him that he does not already have. And we have no strength, no intellect, nothing that can compete with him. We are like nothing before him. And so we can come to the conclusion quite easily that he is free to do as he pleases. In the book of Romans, we read the following. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whomever I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whomever I will have compassion. So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. But the scripture says to the Pharaoh, For this very purpose I have raised you up, that I may show my power in you, and that my name may be declared in all the earth. Therefore he has mercy on whom he wills, and whom he wills he hardens. You will say to me then, Why does he still find fault? For who has resisted his will? But indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? Will the thing formed say to him who formed it, Why have you made me like this? Does not the potter have power over the clay, and the same lump to make one vessel for honor and another for dishonor? And so God can create and make whatever kind of people he wants. But we must always keep in mind that as part of his virtues rests the ability of being omniscient or all-knowing. He knows all things, including future things. In the passage we just saw, we read of Pharaoh, for instance, what really happened with Pharaoh? If we go back to the book of Exodus, we see that in the first encounter between Moses and Pharaoh, that Pharaoh didn't even acknowledge God in Moses' message. He just reacted and made tasks even harder for the people of Israel. And so we can start seeing by Pharaoh's reactions that he was the first one to start challenging God. In a following encounter, we read that when Pharaoh told Moses and Aaron to show miracles for themselves and the rod that God gave Moses turned into a serpent. And the Egyptian magicians did the same, but God's serpent swallowed them. The word says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. God knew Pharaoh would harden his heart because he knows all things. But Pharaoh was operating under his own free will. And so Pharaoh hardened his heart not just the first time, but the second time and subsequent times. But there came a point when God had had enough of Pharaoh and God started hardening Pharaoh's heart. To be exact, on the sixth plague, the plague of the boils, the scriptures tells us the following. But the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh 
and he did not heed them just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. So there was a shift from Pharaoh hardening his heart to God hardening his heart. Why? God gave Pharaoh opportunities to turn away from his pride. Was Pharaoh made by God to become the symbol of pride that would be broken by the Lord to show his miracles? Yes and no. God gives every human being two essential things, a conscience and reason. And Pharaoh was no exception. He was equipped, if you will, with what he needed to have the ability to understand who God was and is, to understand right and wrong, and to be able to make free will decisions. And God was merciful with Pharaoh, but Pharaoh chose to challenge God. And here we see another attribute of the Lord, that he is worthy. God is merciful, but if he is rejected time and time again, his mercy does run out. And then he exercises judgment as a result. God judged Pharaoh. In Romans chapter 1, we read the following about what happens when God is rejected. It says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man, and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, all the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another, men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. And so we can easily conclude that every single person does not have an excuse regarding the acknowledgement of the Lord. Everything that was made and created, including our own personal existence, speaks of the Lord and about His magnificence and power. He doesn't need to prove anything because everything speaks of Him already, all of His works that surround us. And when people choose out of their own free will, challenging their own conscience to reject God over and over and over, then God's mercy runs out. God's grace runs out and he starts exercising judgment. And the way that he exercises judgment is by giving people up to the very things they want to cling to. If a person doesn't want to submit to God, then God gives them up to their own evil desires. 
and allows for them to continue down their path of self-destruction. That's why when you see these people that do whatever they want, offending God without any noticeable consequences, that is probably the scariest position for any person to be in. That means that God is simply not interested in them. This is, for instance, what the scriptures say regarding this. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. So easily put, God allows for hardship to occur on people he cares about, especially if they're doing things that are wrong. But if he just lets things be with the person and they just continue life however they want and nothing happens to them, then God simply does not care about them. And so if you are going through some form of hardship, it is God the one that is allowing it to happen for a variety of reasons, either to call you to salvation if you don't know him yet, or to show you that you need him, or to deal with something in your life that needs to be changed, or to test you and to prepare you for other things that will come in the future. Despite contrary belief, God cares about you if you are going through some sort of difficulty because he ultimately wants to draw you that much closer to him. Why? When the Lord truly cares about someone, he is interested in the bigger picture. This world and everything in it is passing. This temporary world will go away someday. God's focus is always on the bigger picture, on eternity. And when it comes to eternity, we will only gain eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ if we devote ourselves to doing His will. Pressure, discipline, hardship, trial, and even temptation all work together to mold us and shape us into the likeness of the Lord Jesus Christ. But of course, only if we choose to love Him. This is what the Word says in Romans chapter 8. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So we need to consider this. If we want to be with him forever, then we need to become like him. That is the only way. And from a very logical point of view, the only way we will be able to be made ready to handle the great and eternal things that can be found only in him is by being made into his true likeness and image. His eternal resemblance through the power of the Holy Spirit and the purifying of the word, and yes, also through difficulty and hardship. So if God is sovereign, then what can we do with that knowledge? How can we exercise our free will in such a way that we can gain his favor? Let's think about this for a moment. Since God is the mightiest being in the entire universe and on him depends where we spend eternity, does it not make sense to find favor before him so that we can attain immortality, eternal life, and eternal reward? And so if we rationalize that God is who he is and that he is in the fact capable of all things, including giving us eternal life through Jesus Christ, then we should come to the conclusion that it is in our best interest to get things right with him. Anyone has the capability of intellectually understanding what is being said. The challenge is being convinced of these certain truths that we understand about the Lord. 
We do so many things every day that involve faith and trust without understanding fully what we get involved with and even put our lives on those things we don't understand fully or even know how they work. Yet, how can so many people put their lives on things they don't even fully know and not be able to put all of their faith and trust in a God that we depend on daily and that has all of the power in the universe, especially the ability to give us eternal life and immortality? If we look at Pharaoh's life, Everything he trusted in failed him when he challenged God. His riches and wealth were destroyed through plague and pestilence. His army was buried in the sea. His firstborn was killed. Because of Pharaoh's hardness of heart against the Lord, he destroyed an entire nation. And to make matters worse for himself, Pharaoh's in a place right now where he is suffering eternal punishment. It doesn't get any worse. If he would have simply obeyed the Lord, there would be a completely different story. So does it not make more sense to come under God rather than challenge God? This was a similar story with Sihon, the king of Heshbon, that was in the passage we read at the beginning. It's fairly easy to assume that the Lord may have given him the opportunities to change, but God saw the hardness of his heart and the heart of his people. And because of that, both him and his people were condemned. Some might say that God is unfair because of these things. But is God really unfair? Everyone has the opportunity and abilities to accept God or to reject God. We established that earlier. Everyone is aware of what they are doing. God does not condemn people. People condemn themselves when they decide to reject God. And talking about not being fair... How fair is it for people to reject God or dismiss God when He has made everything and every single thing depends on His say-so? Our very existence depends on Him. We live, breathe, and survive all based on His goodness. And He has given us the opportunity for salvation and eternal life through the Lord Jesus Christ all by and through His grace and mercy. And so by virtue of what God does for each of us every day, the Lord is more than justified for his actions based on how people choose to react to him. And also because he is the most powerful and worthy being in the entire universe, he is also sovereign. Having said all of this, if I were you, I would put aside Pharaoh, Sihon, king of Heshbon, and anything and anyone else for that matter. And I would encourage you to think about yourself. Because let's be honest. When a time comes when we stand before the Lord's judgment, you will not care about anything or anyone else. When you stand before God to give an account for yourself, I guarantee you that you are only going to be concerned about one thing and one thing only, on what God will say about you and where you will spend eternity. And no opinion or anything like that is going to matter because it will all be based on what he thinks is right. He is sovereign, so no one will be able to appeal, complain, barter, or anything like that. And to think otherwise is utter foolishness. We all will be judged based on his standard, on his reasoning, on what he has outlined and established. So in your decision-making on whether to accept his lordship or reject it, I would encourage you to consider and meditate on what he has done and is doing for you personally. Like mentioned before, your very existence depends on Him. You live, breathe, and survive all on His say-so. Everything that you have and are was allowed by Him. If you have any abilities, He has allowed for you to have them and exercise them. 
And so just based on that, you owe him everything. And what about the opportunity for salvation and eternal life through the death and sacrifice of his only begotten son, whom he gave out of his own free will, even after we have willfully sinned against him and were his enemies? You may not understand this, but we are not born children of God. And because of our willful sinning, we were his enemies. And if you still have not come to him for forgiveness and salvation, you are still his enemy. But through the Lord Jesus Christ, there is true and genuine reconciliation. So if you are a believer and follower of Jesus Christ, you should consider that you owed him a great deal and that obedience is the only way to try to return his goodness and mercy. And if by any chance you are an unbeliever, you owe him everything and you are still his enemy. But the good news is that you can be reconciled with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. The moment you can understand these words I'm saying is proof enough that God is extending his grace to you. You are not called to be lost forever. You're being called because God loves you and because he wants to give you eternal life. So consider what he is doing for you and choose wisely. This is what we must always consider, especially to be ready for that time that is coming that is not too far away for each of us, his judgment. In Jeremiah chapter 17, it says, I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Always think about God's sovereignty and that it is in our best interest to look for him, to submit to him, to obey what he tells you to do for your own good. There is only one way to eternal life and to passing victoriously through God's judgment, and that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Treat the Lord as the Lord in your life, and you will have absolutely nothing to worry about now, and least of all, later. The sovereignty of the Lord is unquestionable. No one can tell God what to do and what not to do. And of course, if we consider who he is and all his capabilities, that he is omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient, how can he be subjected to anyone or anything? And on the other end, there is us. We are weak, and our existence is bound to one simple location, and our knowledge is incredibly limited. We can't really control our environment, and not even our own lives. Control is an illusion for us. As far as existence, we are here one day and gone the next. And what do we really know about the universe? And if the universe is really that unknown to us, how can we even measure up to the God that made the universe? And so considering who God is and who we are, it only makes sense to just give in to his sovereignty. And why should this be a very logical thing for us to do? Because of God's fourth aspect. Within his sovereignty and all of his magnificence, he is omnibenevolent, which means he is all goodness, he is all loving. And how do we know about his love? Think about his greatness and how lowly we are. Yet, he not only cares about us, but he's gone above and beyond anything imaginable. Despite us sinning against him, despite us being his enemies because of all the wrongs we have done, he took it upon himself to save us. 
He did not send his son Jesus Christ to condemn the world, but rather to save it, to save us. He sent his only begotten son to save his enemies. And each day dawns and sets on every single person because he wills it. His goodness is immeasurable. So the best advice I can give anyone is to look for the Lord, cling on to him, learn to treat him as he deserves to be treated, look to be fair with him. He has given us so much, it is only fair to learn to love him. There is a golden rule, if you will, that the Lord gave us when he said, and just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. Do you want to be treated fairly? Do you want for people to return your love back to you? Do you want to be valued? Then do likewise with the Lord. Learn to treat him fairly. Learn to love him back and value him for everything he has done. He is not only sovereign, he is also worthy. Let us pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you are worthy. You are worthy of all praise and honor and glory forever and ever, Lord, for there is no one like you. You are sovereign, Lord. You reign, and there's no other higher authority. Heavenly Father, Lord God, I pray, O oh Lord, Heavenly Father, that you help us to understand through and through that you are Lord, that you are God, and that, Lord, that you will be forever. You have no end. You are eternal, and your power is eternal. Help us to understand that, Lord God, with all of our hearts, with everything that we are. And help us to understand that it is only in our best interest to be able to submit to you, to follow you, to serve you, to love you, Lord God, as you deserve to be loved. Help us to consider all the things that you do for us all of the time. And help us, O oh Lord, to value you according to that. Heavenly Father, I pray for every person listening. If there's someone out there that does not yet know you, that they may come to know you, that they may repent and convert from all their sins, and that they may come to acknowledge and accept Jesus Christ as the Lord of their lives. Heavenly Father, and I pray, O Lord, for those of us that do know you. Help us, O Lord, to grow in that knowledge and truth that you are God and that we need to live according to your will and ways. To you be all the honor and the glory and the praise forever and ever, O Lord God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.